everyone. Um, it's good to be together. It's good, as Richard said, to be family. It's good to welcome people here for the first time. Sometimes we get visitors coming along who aren't here for the first time but deserve a special welcome. Pauline, do you understand that, Pauline? Rian, Sean. Where Pauline? Yeah, Sean, it's great when you welcome them and get the name wrong, but Sean, uh, Rian's mum here, and that's great to have all the way from Wales. And then even further, Yanni's mum and dad. Do you want to stand up at the back? Just stand up. All the way from Greece. We are a really international, international community. I said to them, it's gl glad that you're here before, before we all leave the EU. <laughs> and, and then you'll have to have visas to come and visit your son. And who knows what might happen to Yanni? No, you're, you're, you're all right, aren't you, if you're already... Uh, anyway, let's... It, it, it is good just being, being family, family together. And the big church weekend sounds wonderful, time to be family together. And, um, and we think as well of those not here amongst us who aren't um, so well at the moment as um, Jerry uh, in hospital. I, I went with Philippa eight days ago, it was Saturday last week, and, and, and went to Liverpool to see him in hospital and visit him there. And um, it brought back memories for me because Liverpool was a place where I'd taken my eldest son, John, for an open day for medical students, would-be medical students. And I remember taking him when he was really nervous for the open day, and then he was even more anxious when I took him some months later when he got his one and only interview for medical school at Liverpool University. And then I took him again to Liverpool when it was dropping him off at um, the halls of residence after he'd got his place there to study medicine. Uh, and I remember dropping him off in a little dingy hall, uh, a so pokey, mucky-looking room, and driving back on the motorway. And then suddenly, I don't know what came over me, suddenly crying uh, because I'd left my son alone in this dingy hall of residence at Liverpool University. And so I think, what's happened to me here? And then the same thing happened for my youngest son, Ben, when I took him to Loughborough University a few years back. I remember dropping him off in his hall of residence and, and, and just, just feeling really sad as I sort of drove back and tears coming down my face as I left him and thinking, I didn't expect that to happen for Ben either. <laughs> um, and, and, and as for Jess, going away for a year to Canada when that happened, I can begin to think of all these things. And do and, and you know what it is? I, I want... I, my two sons and my daughter, even I just want them to do well. And I am so, so for them, just positively for them. I cannot think uh, of any time, any single moment in my life when I've ever wished, well, I hope that doesn't work out for you. I hope you learn a lesson from that. I hope you fail in that. I've never, ever, ever felt like that about them. I've always, always, always been for them, always wanted them to do really well. I'm the one who taught them how to ride bikes. I'm the one who taught them how to swim. I'm the one who taught the boys, at least, how to wee in the toilet properly. Uh, my, my, my son, Ben, now living at home, uh, earning money. <laughs> uh, uh, and you know what? He pays for Sky Sports. What a partnership. Father and son. What a partnership. Uh, uh, you see, my children don't have to try to make me love them. I just love them. 
Uh, it doesn't matter what they do well, how badly. I just love them. I'm for them. I'm just all the time wanting the best for them. If earthly fathers can be like that for their children, how much more will our Father in heaven be for us and never ever against us? Jesus said that in Matthew 7 verse 11. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Do you understand Almighty God, the Father, wants to partner with his sons and daughters to bring heaven to earth. God, right now, is for you. He's not against you. In all your ups, in all your downs, he, in anything ugly that goes on in your life, he's totally for you and totally wanting the best for you. When you live Holy, according to who you are. He is for you. When you forget who you are and don't live holy, he is still for you. He is still wanting the very best for you. Not one time does he look at you and say, well, I hope they all fail and fall flat on their faces and that'll teach them a lesson. He's not like that. He is a good, good father. Today, I want us to look at a character in the Bible whom God the Father had to convince that he was for him before he could ever use him and partner with him. You see, the ultimate joy that the sons and daughters of God can have is to realize, is to have a revelation, an uncovering of the truth of just how much their Father in heaven wants them to do well. And the ultimate joy is to partner with your Father in heaven. That's how you were designed. You're designed to work with God the Father to do something on this planet. Um, And we're going to look at how... We can be the people, sons and daughters of the living God, who bring righteousness, peace, and joy onto this planet. The Gideon factor. The Gideon factor is where God the Father takes a weak, fearful, unbelieving person and uses that person to do wonderful things beyond their wildest dreams. And... I want to say to you today that that the story of Gideon, perhaps you're going to see that Gideon had to be convinced that God was for him. Uh, And perhaps there's some of you here today and you think, I'm not quite sure that God is for me. You don't know what I've done, Dave. You don't know how much I've messed up. I want to tell you today is a day for a release of the Gideon factor over your life, that there's a prophetic story for us to learn from, a prophetic story for God to speak to us today, for you to know without a shadow of a doubt when you leave this room that God is for you, he's not against you. And that God is not going to use the professionals, he's going to use you to bring heaven to earth. Um, You know, you are a Gideon. And God wants to show himself. God uses the most unlikely heroes. People who've sinned against him. People who are failing. People who are flawed. People who feel weak. People who say they have no faith. People who are doubting. People who are damaged. People who are blemished. People who are inconsistent. Hear the word of the Lord. God is for you. Not against you. 
You know, you only have to look at other examples in the Bible before we look at Gideon. You look at David. He did great things for God. David, it says in the Bible about David, he was a man after God's own heart. David, he served the purpose of God in his generation. Wow. In fact, Jesus is going to be called, it says in the Bible, Jesus is going to be called the son of David. When he came to earth, he was called that, the son of David. This is God's own son. He's called the son of David. And in eternity, he's going to be called the son of David. What an honor. What a privilege. What did David do? He committed adultery. He, he murdered. And you say, wow, he messed up big time. Yes, he did. And he has so much favor. What's the secret of your success, David? Tell us how come you can have so much favor, so much blessing, and yet you messed up. David says this in Psalm 56 verse 9. He says, this I know. This I know. God is for me. Do you understand? When you know just how much your father is for you, in spite of your failings, in spite of your weaknesses, that's when you can release the favor of God on your life. That's when you can benefit from knowing God is so good. I want to, and he wants to work with me. Isaiah, prophetically, Isaiah 41 verse 10, uh, in the message it says this, don't panic, I'm with you. There's no need to fear. I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. I'll keep a firm grip on you. You see, perhaps some of you are saying, this morning, who? Me? Uh, we're all of us in this room. We're all unlikely heroes. The book of Judges in the Old Testament comes after um, Joshua. People go out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land. And then you get the book of Judges. And you've got the stories of 14 amazing ordinary people in the book of Judges who were in need of a miracle. Unlikely heroes who God raised up uh, against the odds to partner with the him to make a difference in the among the people of Israel. And we're going to just look at one of them. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Judges chapter 6. And we're going to look at, uh, first of all, let's look at what the situation was. We're looking at Gideon today. But what was the situation in Gideon's life? Gideon um, was in a situation where the Israelites had been dominated for seven long years by the, by the Midianites. Uh, they'd been worshipping, uh, the Israelites had been worshipping, in spite of knowing all God's goodness, they'd been worshipping a false god, Baal, and it was actually Gideon's dad who in his own back garden had set up this idol where people would go and worship Baal. So this is a bleak situation. Um, and we read that as they served a false god, as they forgot God and served this false god, that there was judgment. There was a time of, uh, of the people knowing, it says in in, in verse 6, in the message translation, it says they knew grinding poverty. It was a time of lack everywhere they went. It says the Midianites came in like locusts and just took everything that they worked hard for. They just took it off them. It was a time of lack. It was a time of attack. The Midianites would ruthlessly kill anyone who got in their way when they, when they took their crops and took the, the fruit of the vine and took their, their, their herds and just devastated the land. But worse, worse than it being a time of lack and a time of attack, worse than that, it was a time of no hope. 
Uh, and, and I want to say to you, you know, whatever you're facing today, perhaps you're saying, I, I just cannot believe for one second that God would ever want to partner with me. You don't know how I much I've messed up, how much I've done wrong. And you might feel in a hopeless situation. I want to say to you, your hopelessness in a situation is a worse problem than the, the situation itself. It's a bigger problem, and the problem itself is when you get to the place where you say, I have no hope. Hear the word of the Lord. There's hope for you this morning when you look at Gideon. You see, you can go through uh, bad situations and maintain hope. Talking about Jerry, um, you know, Deanne is a great example of someone who maintained hope. He had an aneurysm, is that what you call it, an aneurysm? Uh, and, and that burst when he was having a shower a few couple of weeks ago. He collapsed in the shower. He had an aneurysm. He's called the ambulance. And Deanne told me how she looked at him on the floor. And she, she, she was on the phone to the ambulance. And she says, to, she says to Jerry, she says, don't you dare die now. Because if you do, I'll have to raise you from the dead. <laughs> because it's not your time yet. I thought, Deanne... Whatever you've been through in all this, you're a wonderful example of hope in a difficult situation that you maintained hope. And the good news is that Jerry's coming out of hospital, or doctors have said now, coming out of hospital on Tuesday. And so God's good. There's still need for miracle needed still, but God's good. But here we see this man called Gideon, we read in Judges 6, he's actually threshing wheat, banging the wheat to get the grains out, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. That's not the normal place where you thresh wheat. He's doing it there because he wants to keep out of sight of the Midianites. He wants to be hidden. And he's having to hide. And, and, and he knows if the Midianites see him doing it, they'll just come and take his corn and take what he'll make bread with and, and he'll go hungry. And as he's doing it, we know from Judges 6, he's actually thinking hopeless thoughts. He's thinking, it's 250 years since we left Egypt. Where's God now? Where are the miracles now? He's thinking, you know, where's God when you need him? Um, God's abandoned us. God isn't for me. God isn't for my people. He's against me. Uh, do you ever feel powerless? Do you ever feel fear? No hope. There's no way for God to do anything. I'm stuck in this and I'm always going to be stuck in it. There's nothing I do seems to work out. I thought I'd finish with this trial. I thought I'd finish with this pain. But it just keeps dragging on. That, that boss at work is still there and it's still a problem. It's still an issue. That sickness. Others seem to be blessed. I'm not blessed. And others seem to be used by God. Not me. I just seem to hang on in there by the skin of my teeth. You've run out of options and you're stuck in a bad situation and you, you're at the limit of your patience. You feel frustrated, annoyed. You can't take it anymore. And like Gideon, perhaps you say, I'm fed up of hearing testimonies about what other people are experiencing. Where's God for me now? At this time, as these thoughts are going round in Gideon's head, God calls Gideon. The, the, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord. Not just an angel, the angel of the Lord. Probably the Lord Jesus, what we call a Christophany in theology, an appearance of Jesus physically before his time. The angel of the Lord Jesus appears to Gideon. And there he is, threshing wheat in a wine press. There's, there's something I just notice about that. Wheat and threshing wheat, you do that to make bread. It's in a wine press, it's where you make wine. There's something about the coincidence of bread and wine that seems to attract the presence of the Lord, even in the Old Covenant. 
You know, the Lord tells us, do this until I come. Take bread, take wine. But his presence, we don't, sometimes we just rush it into a meeting. It's something far more precious and wonderful than to do in, a, in, in between songs and a worship time. There's something beautiful about encountering the presence of God. The, the bread and the wine gives permission for the Lord to manifest himself amongst us. And here's Gideon. Bread, wine, wheat in a wine press is freshing. And, and the angel of the Lord appears to him. I want to say to you, why don't you give permission right now and say, Lord, speak to me. Appear to me. Maybe not bread and wine right now at this moment. But even through the foolishness of Dave's preaching, speak to me. I'm ready to hear you. I need you to appear to me. I need an encounter with you. Why not have an encounter while I'm preaching right now? And open up your heart, ready to receive what God has to say to you. I want to say to you, at your lowest moment, Jesus always appears at an opportune time. When you're at your lowest point, when you're feeling totally powerless, when you think you'll never be used by him, when you think you've messed up one time too many, when you think it's the end, it's all over, he comes and he tells you, you are not who you think you are. Judges 6 verse 12, the angel of the Lord, as I say, probably Jesus, uh, appeared to Gideon and said, God is with you, mighty warrior. Do you understand? God speaks to you according to who you are. It's not according to your track record. It's not according who you think you're trying to be or who you'd like to be, or who you used to be, God speaks to you according to who you are. And he says to every person in this room now, I am with you, I am for you, mighty warrior. Uh, mighty hero, the New Living Translation says. The Lord is with you. you know, at such times, God surprises you by bringing deliverance, by speaking the word, his living word directly into your soul and lifting your spirit of heaviness that's trying to push you down and telling you he's, he's, he's empowering you to change your personal situation and to change the situation around you. God lets you know, your father lets you know you now are empowered to make a difference. Yes, you, not somebody else, you. I'm empowering you, says the Lord this morning. I'm empowering you, not the person sitting next to you, not the person who's been coming for years and years. You may be here for the first time today. He says, I'm empowering you. You can make a difference in your life, in your environment, and the world around you. About two o'clock in the morning few last week it was Philippa woke me up to tell me she was awake which she does from time to time it's one of the joys of being married to Philippa um, and then I heard I could hear there was a noise outside and it was somebody's alarm going off and she said that's what's woken me up an alarm going off go and look see find out what's going on Half asleep, I get out of bed, I go to the curtains, pull the curtains back. I can see a blue light flashing on the neighbor's house across the road. I think, aha, Craig. Um, so I get my mobile phone out, because uh, 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 and I, and I, I waited five minutes, first of all. Uh, and 
then, you know, I, I text Craig, uh, and I say, Craig, um, hope all is okay. Do you know your alarm is going off? I'm very diplomatic. I don't add, and all the street can hear it because you're keeping us awake. I just send that text to him. I wait five more minutes. Nothing's happening. The alarm sound is still ringing, still making a noise. I'm tutting away to Philip. I'm going I'm I'm to text him again. I mean, we can see there's nothing going on at the front. It's, it's his car's on the drive. He's in the house. There's no, so I text him again, Craig, if it doesn't go off in five minutes' time, I'm going to ring the police. Hope you're okay, I said insincerely. Um, I, I, and so, wait five minutes. Well, that's it. I'm ringing the police. So I ring the police. And to be honest, they were useless. They just said, oh, just check it in the morning. <laughs> uh, and obviously, they don't respond to that sort of thing. Uh, and so, I'm, I, I'm chodding away in bed. Philippa, meanwhile, has gone back to sleep. <laughs> She's gone back to sleep with me totting and Craig, please, what's going on with the world today? And then after around about 25 minutes, it was that long, honestly, after around about 25 minutes, sort of Philippa half wakes up and says to me, you don't think it's our alarm, do you? And goes back to sleep. Our alarm? I go downstairs, key in the code. <laughs> Silence. I thought, I thought it was supposed to ring on the inside as well. Next morning, I go out, and Craig's coming to his car. I sort of like try to keep down. And he said, hi, Dave. I said, hi, Craig. Yeah, you're right. I'm just going in a rush, you know. Uh, uh, and then Craig said, I got your text. You know, he said, I, I, I keep my phone downstairs, so I didn't reply. I said, it wasn't our alarm. He said, I was looking out my window trying to work out whose alarm it was too. <laughs> I breathed a sigh of relief, didn't tell him. <laughs> I didn't lie, but I didn't tell the whole truth in that situation, I have to confess. And do you understand, I was suffering a bad situation which I had the power to stop. Tutting in bed, I could have done something about it. Tut, tut, church isn't very powerful these days, is it? Tut, tut, when was the last time someone prayed and you saw them healed? Tut, tut, when was the last time someone actually witnessed to their neighbor? Tut, tut, when was the last time someone led someone else to the Lord outside of a meeting context? Tut, tut, I hear they're short of volunteers for women's VIP. Tut, tut, when was the last time you went to a crowded prayer meeting? Obviously not on Tuesday after a bank holiday Monday, but that's another story. But, but, but God says to you, stop your tutting. You have the power to make a difference. You have the power to make a difference. Because I am with you, mighty warrior, says the Lord. I'm with you. I'm, I'm all negative. I'm all critical. I moan. I doubt God's goodness. God says to you, I'm so proud of you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Do you get it? I can't be anything but for you and wanting to work with you and wanting to empower you. The Lord's perception is so different from what ours can be at times. Mighty warrior, man of valor, brave and mighty man. Gideon hiding full of doubts and fears and questions and anger. But God sees him differently. God says, you're a mighty warrior. I'm with you. Uh, you know, Christ in Colossians 2, 8 to 10, it says in some Christ is, is the I am 
in us. He's not the I will be, I might be, I could be, I used to be. Christ is the I am. We're complete in him. There's nothing wrong with you. You've got all that you need when you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why no matter what situation you face, there's hope when Christ is in you because it's not I will be tomorrow, it's I am. He is I am in you. We have to see ourselves the way God sees us. What name do you call yourself? Failure, timid, weak, cyclical failure. What does God call you? See, Abraham had to change his name to Abraham, father of many nations. Jacob, tricky customer, had to change his name to Israel, having power with God. Simon, grass-like, listening, changes it. Jesus changes his name to Peter, rock. I want to say to you, change your name. Change your name to, to I'm a peacemaker, I'm a healer, I'm powerful, I'm an encourager, I, I, I'm a demonstrator of the kingdom. Change your name. See yourself as God sees you and start to agree with what he says about you. See, he says, God says in Isaiah 55, My thoughts aren't your thoughts, my ways aren't your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Why don't we just start to agree with God and see what happens? You know, you can sometimes put yourself down. Others can put you down. Remember, Peter and John, after they'd healed the, the, the lame man at the gate, beautiful in Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 4, the council members are saying, look at those uneducated men. Look at those untrained men. And then they say, but hang on a minute. They are uneducated. They are untrained, but they've been with Jesus. We can tell the way they speak. Uh, what about Jabez? His own mother calls him pain. What a name. Pain, his mother calls him because she had pain when he was born. Well, his mother doesn't. Uh, and he prays this prayer in 1 Chronicles 4.10. He says, oh, that, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me free from evil, that I may not cause pain. I'm changing my name. And God granted his request. What your parents have said about you, you don't have to accept. What the boss at work, what the teacher at school, what the neighbors have said about you, you don't have to accept. Why don't we accept what God says about us? He's a good, good father and he's for you and he loves you and he's got great things in store for you. You know, so Gideon's in this situation. Jesus turns up and says, I'm with you, mighty warrior. Uh, imagine it. Imagine yourself in this situation. It's Jesus who comes in the flesh and turns up and says, I'm with you, mighty. What would you do? Would you fall down and worship? You know, fall flat on your face and start, oh God, I'm so glad that you've turned up. I've been wanting this. Gideon, what does he do? He's been thinking about things. He's been working things out. He says to, to Jesus, the angel of the Lord that's there, he says, oh my, in verse 13, he says, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? Where is God in all this? Why all the bad circumstances? Where's the victory? Can you imagine it? <laughs> Talking back to, to the Lord like that. Uh, and what does, uh, what does, you know, God, what happens in verse 14, I love it. Then the Lord turned to him and says to him, go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? He doesn't answer his questions. 
He just says, go in the might of the Lord. You know, the Lord must have so many people asking those sort of questions. <laughs> why, why is this happening? Just go in the might of the Lord. I'm with you. It's time for change. It's not time to be reflecting, reminiscing on the past, trying to work out things that you could have changed a long time ago. Just today, hear the word of the Lord and go in the might of the Lord. A simple faith, a simple response to what God says. That's what he's looking for. Um, and so then Gideon brings up the whole qualifications question. And he says, in, 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 he says, verse 15, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. And don't forget his father had put up the, 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 the idol to Baal in his back garden. Uh, and the Lord says to him, surely I will be with you. That's the only qualification you need. Uh, you see, when God says, I'm with you, he's, he's asking you to do something impossible. Because he's reminding you he's with you. There's something impossible, naturally speaking, for you to do. There's, but that is the only qualification you need. There is something horribly obnoxious about any view of church that wants to professionalize it and, and, and see it being something that's done by full-time workers who are set apart. There's need for that, don't get me wrong, but there's something, there's a change of view we've got to have, which is that churches, people, every single member playing their part wherever they are. If it's down to people who are employed, you know, five or six or whatever, to be doing the work of the church, it's a disaster. But if it's understood, there's, there's you know, four or five hundred from the morning site who are going out week after week and bringing change into the city, then we're on to something. And that's God's will. That's God's plan, God's purpose uh, for our lives. You see, God uses you. Oh, I'm the least in my family. It's the smallest tribe. God uses you even in the situation that you're in now that you feel disqualifies you. No, that's a qualification as far as he's concerned. Joseph, a slave, falsely accused, became the second and most powerful ruler that, that brought about deliverance for Egypt and for Israel. Samson, messed up big time, gave up his strength. God used him. He killed thousands of Philistines at the end of his life. Jonah, disobeyed God, ran away from God. Yet God turned it all around and Jonah brought a life-saving message to Nineveh. Esther, Beauty queen, unlikely hero, Jewish girl in a foreign land. Her courage caused change to come about and people to be saved. John Mark ran away from Paul. Onesimus ran away. God used John Mark and Onesimus. And where they'd once been described as useless, they became useful in the purpose and plan of God. Paul says it like this. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. When I am weak, he learned this lesson. When I am weak, then I'm strong. Uh, message puts it like this. It was a case of God's Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. God visits you. God visits you to restore and refresh your faith in him. Uh, you know, the next scene, so the Lord's told him, I'm with you. Then the next scene, Gideon says in verse 17, he, he says, show me a sign. There's the Lord speaking to him. He said, now if it's you speaking to me, show me a sign that you are speaking to me. You think, Gideon, how slow can you be? Um, 
He said, just wait a minute while I go and get something and you prove to me it's you speaking to me. So he goes, Lord's really patient, says, okay. He goes, he goes and gets some meat and some cakes, puts them on a rock. The Lord causes fire to come from the rock to consume the meat and the cakes. Then Gideon, what does he do then? He goes into a mild panic, well, a major panic, and he says, wow, you really are the Lord. And in verse 22, 23, he says, oh no, I've seen the angel of God face to face. I'm going to die. But God says to him, easy now, don't panic in the message. (laughs) Easy now, don't panic, you're not going to die. The next scene, God tells him, you know that idol in your dad's back garden? You're to tear it down. Gideon says, well, I'm not doing it in the daytime, I'm too scared. I'm going to get 10 other people, 10 of my mates. We're going to go at night when it's all dark. We'll tear down that idol. They do it at night time. It's all dark. They tear the idol down. Well done, Gideon. At least you're doing something now. But he's still trembling as he brings it down. In the morning, people get up and somebody must have seen it somewhere because someone said, we know who did that. Everybody's in a panic. This is the big idol who they've been praying to. Who's done that? And someone says, we know who did it. It was Gideon. And Gideon, whoa, not me. And, and, then, and then his dad stands up. His dad, who had actually put the idol in the back garden, his dad stands up and says, don't worry about it. If Baal is God, he can contend for himself. He can look after himself. Do you see what happens? Suddenly Gideon's very limited with trembling knees. That courage caused revelation to come to a father, an earthly father who who was set free from from being uh, tied into idol worship. He was suddenly set free because his son had courage one day because of what the Lord had spoke to him. How about some of us praying for family members? How about a bit of courage? Some courageous acts that we we encounter the Lord, get an assignment from him and do something that releases something in other people and causes revelation to come. This city will be changed when people start to reveal, reveal, cause revelation to come through courageous acts that God has given them to do. The next thing, um, you know... eh, It's fantastic. It says in Judges 6 verse 34, if it's literally translated from the Hebrew, it says this, the spirit of the Lord, she, because spirit is feminine in in, in Hebrew, the spirit of the Lord, she clothed Gideon and he's blowing the trumpet. In other words, the spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, clothed himself with Gideon as he blew the trumpet. That you don't see translated that, 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 that many, many ways at all. And, and it's not in the Hebrew. You can't find it about anybody else in that same language. Um, so do you understand? He's seen what happens when he obeys God. He's encountered the Lord not once but twice. He's, he's seen the presence of God at work in his life. <clears throat> and, and you think, surely Gideon, you've got courage now. Surely now you've got confidence to do all that God wants you to do. Not yet. Because he then has to go through this whole thing of I'm going to put a fleece out. He's got it's, it's, it can be translated like a glove, like like he's put a, his hand, he's clothed him like you put a, hat, a glove over a hand. That God is in him, the Spirit is in him, and he's still asking questions, and, and he still wants reassurance. And so there's the fleece. If, if Lord, I put this fleece out, if it's dry, 
uh, and everywhere is wet. Uh, it first starts off with, if it's wet and everywhere else is dry, he rings out the fleet, he gets a bucket of water. Lord, please be patient with me. I just want to try it the other way around now. If it's, if it's dry uh, and everywhere else is wet, then I know it's you speaking to me. You thought, Gideon, how many encounters, how much reassurance do you need? Uh, then he gets the men together and he gets 32,000 to go and fight the Midianites. He must be thinking, this is looking better now. Then the Lord speaks to him and says, just tell those who are scared they can go home. He says, all right, Lord, I'm going home myself. And the Lord says, no, no, not you. Tell, uh, that's my bit in the Bible. It doesn't say that in the Bible. That bit. But I can imagine he might have tried it. But, 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 but 22,000 men say, actually, um, yeah, you know what, I've got something on at home. Actually, there's a good football match on tonight. Um, uh, uh, and they think of differences. 20, he's left with 10,000 men from 32,000 down to 10,000 men. This isn't looking so good. Then the Lord says to him, again, take them all to have a drink. They go to have a drink. The Lord says, I only want the good drinkers. <laughs> I only want the good drinkers. Uh, and they go to a drink. All those that, that, that stoop right down and lap it up like dogs, they're no good. They're disqualified. Only those that scoop it up into their hands. There's only, out of 10,000 men, I find this hard to understand, there's only 300. There's only 300. We're more than 300 in this room right now. But there's only 300. And, and, and God tells him, you now to go after the enemy. His Lord says to him, graciously says to him, oh, by the way, Gideon, if you're feeling scared... Why don't you go into the enemy camp first before you attack? And if you're feeling scared, take Pura with you. That's his assistant. Next scene, he is feeling scared. He's in the enemy camp. He must be thinking, what am I doing here? What's all this about? He's in the enemy camp and he's with Pura, his assistant, and he's, over he's listening to the conversations the Midianites are having. And here's this one man say, oh, you know, I had a funny dream last night. Oh, yeah, what was your dream about, says the other guy. Well, I dreamt... A barley loaf, a cake of barley, came rolling down the hill, hit one of our tents. The tent went upside down and then collapsed and went flat. The other guy says, oh, you had too much cheese. Well, that's what I would have said. The other guy says, you know what? That's nothing more than the sword of Gideon coming. You say, I... How, you know, where's the dream interpreting team? Where's Liz Heron and all that? How on earth could that be anything to do with the sword of Gideon? A tent, a barley loaf, and it's the sword. Do you understand? When God is for you and his hand is upon you, it doesn't matter what's going on. When you walk into a room, everything changes. You don't have to say something. There's something about an anointing and the presence of God that you carry that it causes victory for God and for his people. Sons and daughters bring change when you walk in a room, when you begin to realize, actually, I'm beginning to wonder, possibly, perhaps, can we try a fleece again? Maybe, just perhaps, God is for me. Just that grain of mustard faith can begin to change everything. And you can know great victory. And what happens? It gets all the men together, the 300 men, jars with light torches in, trumpets. And then at last, at last, we realize that Gideon has finally got this message that God really is for him because he gets the men to break the jars, they shine the lights, they blow the trumpet, and they shout. There's a shout that comes out that says, For the Lord and for Gideon. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. 
God is on my side. If I say for the Lord, I'm meaning for Gideon. If I say for Gideon, I'm meaning for the Lord. I finally got it. And what happens? As they break the jars and 300 men in three companies of 100, they make that shout. So the Midianites inside the the camp, they suddenly go into a blind panic and start killing one another. Because God was working on Gideon's behalf. So, you have a good, good father. He's for you. He's not against you. The most profound, deepest display of God possessing a human being in the language that's used is used about Gideon. That the spirit clothed himself with Gideon. One of the most fearful men in the Bible. That means every single person in this room is qualified. You're qualified. No one here is ruled out of being used by God. Uh, Where you've ruled yourself out, here it is. The Gideon factor. The Gideon factor that God wants to release over you through this preaching of his word of the prophetic picture of Gideon, a fearful man who became a mighty man of valor. He needed help. He needed a series of encounters with, with the Lord. But the Lord was merciful and gave it to him. Can we have the musicians up? I want to say, your father in heaven is with you. Your father in heaven is for you. And he says to every single one of us in this room today, hello, mighty warrior. Hello, man of valor. Hello, woman of valor. Hello, hero. Hello, heroine. I'm for you. I just want to pray now for uh, the Lord to touch every Gideon in this room, everyone that might be doubting, that we, you know, that we start, we might have come in here in fear, but we go in faith. That we, we might have come in in timidity, but we go in, in great courage. That we, we start maybe knowing nothing of the Spirit, but we, we end with knowing that God today is possessing you and clothing himself with you. I want to pray that for everyone in this room. And if we just, come and just stand, we're going to sing a song to finish, but I just want us to do something prophetically. Whatever situation you face in your own personal life, maybe a trial in your family, maybe it's a a fear in your life, maybe it's an area of injustice in greater Manchester, maybe it's a non-Christian friend who the enemy is blinding, I want us to shout, just as they did, uh, the people with Gideon, they raised a prophetic shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. I want you to shout that, but I want you to put your own name there. Because Gideon did that when he understood that the Lord was with him and for him. So let's hear some shouts of for the Lord and for Tunde, for the Lord and for Ben, for the Lord and for Rebecca, for the Lord and for, 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 for Femi, for the Lord and, and put your own name there. So let's just, I'm going to say some situations and I want you to shout with faith and believe God's going to do in something. For, for any trial you're facing in your family now, let's, let's have a shout, let's raise a shout. For the Lord and for Dave. For every fear that you have in your life at this moment. For the Lord and for... 
for every area of injustice in Greater Manchester. For the Lord. For every non-Christian friend who is still being blinded by the enemy that you witness to, you invite them to Alpha Court. Let's declare it over them and shout of triumph. For the Lord. Let's just say for the future of King's Church. As we look to plant more sites, as we look to grow in unity with other churches for everything that God has for us, let's have a shout of victory, a shout of triumph for the Lord and for King's Church. Amen. Let's just let's sing a song and, and finish.